Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. This is random, but I have been meaning to tell you that I finished Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So I uh, yeah. watched a full season of Star Trek, yeah. And what are your thoughts? I really liked it. The uh, Just a lot of great, memorable episodes and, and writing and directing. Um, so now I'm on to Next Generation, which watching the first season of Next Generation after watching Deep Space Nine is a little bit like, you know, it was filmed before, so as I'm sure you know, so it's a little it's a little rough because um, yeah. after coming off the end of Deep Space Nine, but I'm invested, I guess. Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit weird to watch it that way, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I watch them like on loops, so like I'm looping through Enterprise again, and it's just nice to have them on like while I'm working in the background, and you you don't have to worry too much about what's what's going on in the storyline because you know, you've you've already watched the series a few times, so so it's all fine. Um, but I, uh, it's just the writing's so good, and in in a lot of ways, the things that I like about these these series and in enterprises, you know, I'm obviously top of mind because that's what I'm watching. A lot of what they write about, a lot of the writers, what they did is they've they've made it re- like related to real time real issues in the world at the time. That's probably why I like the series so much, because it kind of, it always relates to stuff that's going on in the world. They do ask like real moral questions and sort of explore that a lot. So. Um. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that was Roddenberry's thing. Cause if, I don't know if you remember the history, but, but basically Star Trek was already, or it was the first TV show to have a woman of color on the on the on the as a main actress and then obviously through various various seasons you've had you know more modern things like you know gay relationships and if you watch um the latest one which is discovery you know there's a gay relationship on it which which is a big step you know so these are are they good things because that's that's real life i mean that's what we we're expecting out of out of shows um to show more more consistent to what's actually happening yeah Especially when set in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Star Trek. Who knew? Um, well, it, it's funny because I've, I've been watching a lot of series while I've been working. Um, and I think, you know, I was watching Halo, for example, which is also really good. If you haven't watched it yet. And what I'm enjoying about them is it, it's besides being an escapism from real life. It's it's almost playing with some of these ideas, you know, in a, in a TV format where they can explore some of the solutions to these ideas as well, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I agree. It's it's interesting TV. Yeah, sorry, we've we've gone down a, a science fiction route. <laughs> sorry, I started it. I was thinking we could chat about Bing AI. Um, Microsoft is obviously making a bunch of 
different moves to incorporate open AI chat GPT technology into their into their software. So one of the latest versions of that is a new um, new version of Bing, which is fascinating, right? Because Bing has always been the sort of joke of a search engine, you know, compared to Google, never really got a lot of traction. It's just kind of always been, yeah, the butt of the joke. But now it's getting a ton of attention because it's incorporated. They've released, you know, some beta version um, only for Edge browsers right now on Windows, uh, new version of Chromium Edge. Um, and you have to like opt in. It's not like you can't just go and look at it now, but eventually it will be rolling out wider. But where they've actually incorporated the engine of that AI intelligence right in both like surfacing, like helping you like summarize content on a page and having a separate chat where you can work things through. And there's a few different ways it manifests, but I was just reading their, their blog on it today from the Microsoft site and listen to the language that they use to talk about this moment. Like they are hyping it up as like, like this is revolutionary, right? Which maybe, it, you know, we can talk about, we can talk about that, but this is the opening of their blog to empower people to unlock the joy of discovery, feel the wonder of creation, and better harness the world's knowledge. Today, we're improving how the world benefits from the web by reinventing the tools billions of people use every day, the search engine and the browser. Mm. That's pretty bold language. So they're, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I must admit, I'm never a fan of, of bolshe language, but yeah. You know, other than in movies where it should be and i mean as much as bing makes money believe microsoft i don't know many people that actually use bing um so forcing someone to to use it is is a tricky one for me personally um and specifically when you lock it into a browser uh, i think that's also a little bit of a um an issue uh, but I, I think reality is is it is it is the next step in some respects because if you would go and search whether it's DuckDuckGo or Google or or Bing, there's just so much noise to go through it to go through in your results. So having something that can filter it and, and make it you know sensible makes sense. But I don't think it's a it's a it's an earth shattering move. I just think it's a natural iteration. I think where I see the greatest impact is really not so much on the experience, like yes, on the experience, of course, but we sort of, you know, there's lots and lots of people trying out a similar experience today by just using chat GPT, experimenting with open AI technologies. Um, obviously when you're plugging that into real time web stuff, the experience gets different and what you can do with it gets different. But I, I wonder what it's going to, how it's going to transform the web, because if people, you know, if the experience takes off, this becomes the default search experience. What does that mean for the websites that are actually the ones holding all of this content, right? Because Google's had something for a while called featured snippets that you've, you know, you've probably seen, yeah. right, is when you're doing a search result and Google just pulls the information out of the websites or even, you know, the commonly asked questions, right? Google's 
done a few things to make it so that you don't need to actually go into websites to access content. But of course, a lot of websites are run on ads or they obviously want you to actually go to their site to learn more. So, you know, this is sort of an even more souped up version of that, right? Not needed to actually go into a website. So actually have a bit of a prediction here, <laughs> a hot take, but I think this is going to be good for websites that aren't about content, but are about action, right? Imagine like you are, well, for certain websites anyway, you're planning a trip with the help of Bing AI and it's bringing in links to here's where you book your hotel, here's where you book your flight, you know, any site that's about action is still going to get surfaced and you're still need to get, you know, going to need to go there and do your transaction. Right. But if it's the content, like here, you know, are the famous historical places to visit in Paris, any website that would have held that content before is at a disadvantage. That's Mm. my (laughs) mistake. I don't know what it's going to do for content, but. Well, 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 and I was going to say, I think, I think the thing that needs to change um, and it's definitely a frustration that I have. We were just talking about a booking holiday now is, uh, you know, the biggest frustration of booking anything is trying to trying to plan it with knowing what, what to do. Uh, and I'm not just talking about, well, you, you're going to be in Egypt for a week and there's go, go look at the pyramids. Um, what, what you really want is some intelligence to know that like if we're going to travel somewhere, it's two adults, two kids. Um, we're going to fly from X location. We want to land in X location. We want to do, you know, because we've got kids, we want to do kid-friendly things. So you don't want to spend hours and hours and hours looking at, you know, which hotels to go to, which which flights to take, what's scenic things to see, et cetera, et cetera. What you want to do is, is say, you know, we want to go to Egypt for a week. Here are the dates. Come back with the information for me. And that could be a list of links with recommendations that they've already done the checks. And I think this comes to your action and your content points where, where, you know, they'll say stay at this hotel because this hotel has got a great kids club uh, and lots of activity for the kids. And it's, you know, TripAdvisor gives it a five out of five. Uh, And here are the three top comments, you know, in the most in, in, in the last month for confirming how I got to this hypothesis. And these are the flights you should take. Um, this is the um, amount of luggage you should carry with you. These are the kind of this is the weather at this time of year. So all that contextual stuff that you don't like stuff you would think of and the stuff you wouldn't think of. Like who thinks about checking the weather for the period of time you're going? Because usually what you do is you think, oh, we're going to go in summer, so it should be hot there. But you might go to summer there, and summer there is actually might be rainy season. Um, all hot there is 40 degrees, not 20 degrees, which is what you're used to, you know, and I'm talking centigrade there, obviously. Yeah. So I think that would be impressive. And, and you know, I've I've set up a little, uh, I've paid for the API for, for chat GDP, but I've set a very low limit. Um, and I've actually set up a little loop in Notion where I will post, I post my questions to chat GDP now through Notion um, with some boundaries. You know, respond. You know, so so for example, I say format this as bullets. Format this as a table. Format as a normal response. Who's the, who's the persona that ChatGPT needs to be when I ask the question? And then what's my question? And then it, then I just wait five minutes for the answer because I found going to the site and trying to get it was just a bit painful. And that that's helping me to formalize my questions better 
and I don't even go to Google anymore. Now, one of the biggest problems with ChatGDP, if you, if you listen to a lot of people, is that they don't believe that the data is accurate because it's just a it's just a prompt engine. But I think most of the stuff that I get back is actually pretty useful. Uh, I still have to to interrogate it and to to put the put some uh, what's the word sanity to it, let's say, mm. so that that I agree with what they're saying. But it cuts down my workload because I can ask a whole bunch of questions. I go do my work and I come back and I got in five minutes. I got a couple of answers to things that I didn't have to go research. The next step to that was I can just go and ask more questions to what I've read and get more answers. And I'm not even going near Google. I'm just talking to, through an agent, through a text conversation in, in, in a very loose way. I mean, the next step, obviously, to have a, a WhatsApp channel or, a, or something like that or a Telegram channel to talk to, to the agent. And I think that's probably where search needs to go. It needs to go away from going to a browser and searching, uh, typing a question there. I think it needs to move to more interactive uh, channel. Yeah, I mean, that's what the, I think that's part of the Bing AI experience, right? Is having that that chat panel, basically bringing that right to the web. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, something to keep a watch on and talking about for sure. But unfortunately, I do need to wrap up here. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that's exactly cool. We will chat uh, next week. Okay, Have a good see you then. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather Bicknell is our producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, If you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.